Welcome to the Home Inspired Podcast, where we discover the power and potential of home. Journey with a community of kingdom-minded moms as we look at the micro-nation of home and the world-changing possibilities within our own four walls. All right. Well, we have Jessica Glover on our podcast today, and um, she's a very dear friend of mine. I met Jessica initially at our church, and then um, we started getting together. I remember us trying to tell our stories while we were chasing like a three-year-old and a two-year-old at the zoo. It was like a little frustrating because it was just like this really deep thing. Okay, wait, hold on, sorry. You know, <laughs> but we've we've had fun, and um, she's just she's a very deep person, and she's a very has um, a really beautiful. Well, I would say a myriad of beautiful testimonies with God and experiences, um, but she has been on this journey with home in this like a crash course right in home <laughs> yes <laughs> in the last um what has it been three years four four years yeah. four years four in a few months four in a few months <laughs> yep and we can mark it by evie's you getting pregnant yep. with evie yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and so um jessica could you tell us a little bit about your history um and then and then jump into how you met Jake and how you guys got together. Yes. So I have a lot of life before I met Jake. So I'm going to try to be like not super brief. Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian home um, and to a certain degree, first generation Christian home um, where my parents kind of met Jesus right before they got married or right after somewhere right in that vicinity. And, um, so they were kind of learning what does healthy relationship look like and what does healthy mm -hmm. family look like. And I just say that because I think it impacts my view of family sure. and the home. Sure. So, um, yeah, so I, um, was introduced to the Holy Spirit at a really young age, which was awesome. And we learned about spiritual gifts and my mom taught some classes just in her own learning. And one fun story is that, um, she just really fell in love with the word and then mm. the Lord, and she had never read read a whole book before because she didn't know it, but she had a reading disability, and it got oh, wow. healed in her getting saved and reading the Word. Like, that was the first book oh. she ever read, oh, which is so, so fun, and she used to sing over me in tongues, and I remember it, like, oh. trying to, like, copy her, and anyway, she wow. invited me to be a part of prayer ministry, mm -hmm. and along this journey, too, I have a brother that's 20 months younger than I am, but... Um, we would pray for people after church with the prayer ministry. And she just invited me to come along because I was interested. So like signs, wonders and miracles was definitely something that I was excited about. Mm -hmm. And so she invited me when revival started happening in the early nineties in the mm -hmm. Seattle area, she took me to a number of them. Mm -hmm. And one of them at this um, tiny church called St. Brennan's, I got baptized in the Holy spirit when I was 12 um, wow. when Stacey Campbell was speaking. And what's fun about that looking back is that she was a part of the Mennonite movement, mm. which we were part of a Mennonite church um, after we got married. And I didn't know anything about it, but it was fun because she basically got baptized in the Holy Spirit and came out of a kind of religious background. Anyways, it was just really exciting because I was like, yay, asking for God to come in. Yeah. City. So um, 
yeah, I started to realize I had a prayer language and that I could walk in power and that he would show up immediately. Mm-hmm. And so that was my wow. worldview for, Lord, when you ask us to pray or I feel you come or you are not only accessible, but you want to heal, save, and deliver. Wow. And so um, teenage years came and went, and I had the normal ups and downs. Um, and then I went to college and became a, a teacher. I thought I was going to teach elementary, and I taught middle school. Um, and the Lord just really directed my route. That's a whole other story. But on my summers, I was able to do um, mission trips, like mm. the Lord would t- tell me every January what my assignment was going to be. Wow. And um, I got to go travel to, I think I counted on my passport, 17 nations in a matter of 11 years while wow. I was um, teaching. So that was not on my radar and something that I like, my heart for the nations is really big. Yeah. Uh, but in that process, it's kind of neat because I like really wanted to adopt kids and specifically um, Chinese and black children were mm-hmm. like on my radar for mm-hmm. like loves. I want to adopt these kids. Um, so uh, there's so much more to that, but... <laughs> I'm just going to scoot Long ahead. story short. <laughs> but there's an important point, important point to make is that when I was 19, I went on a mission trip um, with my campus group in college. And um, I really liked this boy and yada, yada. What I really liked about him, I learned, because all the girls liked him, was that he heard from the Spirit. And mm. so I was attracted to, to a man who loved the Holy Spirit and heard him. Like he prophesied over me. And mm. I... Um, had been in a dry season of some religiousness and it was calling me out of that to my roots. Like, Mm. no, I can hear from God. This is what he's calling me. So anyways, during a powerful, um, uh, encounter with God after a Friday night fellowship, the Lord told me I was going to get married a lot later than my friends and than my girlfriends. And Mm. I was 19 at the time and I held onto that promise and, um, Every year would come and go, and I would just be like, Lord, remember, you promised this to me. In fact, a girlfriend of mine gave me this jar. It was to put dimes in, and every time I found a dime, I would put it in the jar and pray for my husband. And as the years passed, that jar was totally full, and it had, like, stuffed money. I picked up a 50, and one time I was like, well, this hurry it up, you know, and I'm getting, wow. like, mid, late 30, or 20, excuse me. Yeah. And I was, like, full on in my career, had my master's, my national board certification, and I was walking with friends in the same boat as me, and I was like, no, God is going to promise. He's going to fulfill his promise. My mom started collecting quarters, and she had these big, like, milk jug things that she would collect money into and I just remember even being in a prophetic group with women and they gave me all their dimes one of the meetings but what was really neat is now looking back what did you do with the dimes oh oh, the dimes were to buy a ring sorry oh okay okay yeah um I'm like I I gotta know they were to buy my husband's ring and so yeah did you have like more than enough to buy the ring this is cool so i had almost to the penny no the right amount stop that oh up. that gives me chills i know oh. we were walking out of the jewelry place and i looked oh. at the thing and and because we had a dime party we crashed i had friends over who've been praying for me for oh. years we broke the jars on the ground counted them we all guessed how much that's so cool. and then i got the slip when we were at the jewelry store and jay i had him i picked i told him you can spend more than the amount i don't even know if i told him how much it was but I want him to pick out one that he really liked yeah and we're walking out and I'm like oh my gosh this is almost to the penny and it was and I was like 
Lord, this is amazing. But every single one of those dimes, he knew. Yes. He knew and he counted them. Yeah. And he, oh, that's just beautiful. Yeah. So we rolled them and took them to the bank. But um, (laughs) anyway, uh, with that though, sometimes the Lord would tell me to pray a certain way. And so I did. And after we were married, this is so fun because I didn't realize this until I heard more in depth Jake's story. But there was specific moments where he felt like in dire need or there was a night where he was on the floor crying about what had happened to his former marriage. And I'll get, yeah. But um, I just was so in awe of how God, like between time and space, he's like, hey, Jess, will you pray for your future husband because he's not ready to be with you yet, but he has this thing wrong with his heart or he has this situation, pray for breakthrough or do this. And it was like, wow, what a God of like detail that he knows those things. And it, it touched me so much. Like it made me want to hear his voice more. I remember even when we first got married, I was like, how do you like really love someone to be their roommate and like all those little pieces. (laughs) But like the Lord would say, say this because he really needs Mm -hmm. this to be said to him so that we'll build up his character Mm -hmm. and encourage him in this way. And I would listen. It was like this fun new friendship piece with the Mm -hmm. Lord. But Mm -hmm. so that was the story of the dimes. But so I wish I had yeah. been praying for Austin like that. <laughs> I think I was praying for myself. <laughs> I was like, God help me. Okay, there I, was some pity parties in the waiting. I will say. I, had, I, I think I had, had more than more than you did. If we could compare. <laughs> but if you called my mom, she could tell you how many times she encouraged me. <laughs> no, he said, Jessica, look in your journal. Remember, remember. Yeah. But I did when I turned thirty. I was like, Lord, you said what happened? You're yeah. not fulfilling, and I realized. The Holy Spirit was like, wait a second, who put the 30 on right. as the end button? Oh, isn't that so interesting? We put uh, those expectations yeah. on him. And yeah. then it's like, uh, who did that? Did right. you or did I? Right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, so you, you expire him. when you're 30, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so long story short, I'll, yeah, along the process, mentored and walked with other women in similar boats. Um, so it was encouraging for me to push through for my not only my own story, but for other people to walk in faith and in the waiting yes. um, in their minds and their hearts and their bodies <laughs> yeah. to remain pure yeah, yeah, in all those areas. So mm. um, I think when I was, it was sometime after that 30, like a little bit of a freak out um, moment that um, my brother, who is not walking with Jesus, but I've had dreams that he will return, um, challenged me about online dating because mm. I was really against it. And um, the Lord came and convicted me through a conversation that I was limiting him with my words of, oh, God, you're bigger than all that. You can bring someone into my you know, sphere of influence or whatever, and I'm going to meet him. And he was like, well, why won't you let me have the Internet too? Mm. And I really felt this like twinge of, oh, I'm being super religious, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. And then like shortly after that, which is, I laugh, my, one of my best friends who is our pastor's um, daughter, Mm -hmm. her mom had told her about a website called On Day Six. Mm -hmm. And um, it was started by a business entrepreneur at Bethel who had a heart to join kingdom-minded people who are already influential in their sphere of influence to come together and be a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. So I would think I was on there a total of, of two years. I talked to one hurt, broken man. I was like, wow. <laughs> and the video didn't work out on my end, which my mom was like, praise Jesus. She called and asked me about how it went. I could only see him. He couldn't see me. 
<laughs> uh, um, and then I tried to like interact with people. Nothing really happened. And I sort of forgot about this like continual membership. It wasn't super expensive. It was like $12 a month or maybe yeah. less than that. So I forgot about it. But in the like waiting and I felt like the Lord was like, move on with the last thing you were called to do. So I was, I decided to go back to school to become a principal. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I felt encouraged to do that. And then, so I took my, I took my GREs cause I, I hadn't taken those for my first master's. And then I, um, was working at an elementary school in the hardest position I ever worked in at the time. So stress level was high. Mm-hmm. And then I was on my way to Israel to do some intercession with a glow and do a tour. Mm-hmm. And then, um, <clears throat> while I was doing all this, I made an offer on a house. And wow. while, while I was like doing this offer, I was re going over my finances and realized I was still paying to on day six. So I mm. called him up and was like, Hey, I need to cancel this membership. It hasn't been fruitful for me. Obviously let's go <laughs> ahead and cancel this. And she said, sorry, you've paid through the end of March, 2014. So I'm like, oh, okay, another month, whatever. Three days before I left for Israel, which was my spring break from school and the end of March, I get a like from a guy that I contacted like a year ago who never gave me the time of day, and Jake. And I was like, oh, now y'all decide to get a hold of <laughs> Now me. you like me. Whatever, and I don't have time for you. <laughs> so I, I honestly sent like the maximum amount of prescribed questions already provided by the site right. back to him. Yeah. And lo and Back behold, to Jake. Yes, yes. Okay. And I briefly looked over his profile and was like, Kansas? I didn't even see the six kids part, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> Kansas, what in the world? I live in Washington State. I right. love the trees, the yes. water, the mountains. It's beautiful. You can't, and, um, can't compare. Yeah, I'm too busy for this. So the next morning, I'm up super early packing, and there's already a long like note that's like two pages in my inbox through the site and I read over it, and this man has, like, sincerely answered every question from the bottom of his heart. And I'm like, who does that? <laughs> and they must have been up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do this. Well, I didn't know it, but he was actually at a church conference with the house church organization on the East Coast. So he was three hours, right, ahead. Mm-hmm. So um, long story short, we wrote back a couple of times before my plane left. Um, I, out of uh, We flew to the East Coast and then went over to Israel. But I just said that it was nice talking with you. I know I'm supposed to spend this time with God. I'm kind of refocusing and revamping for the next phase of my life. And thanks for getting a hold of me. And I thought for sure, like, oh, this will probably end or fizzle out really fast. And so I went on the trip and I thought about him a little bit. I mentioned him to the roommate that I had just met who lived overseas because it was safe, right? I didn't have to say anything to anybody that I knew. Yeah. And, um, that was about it. And then I came back. And as soon as I came back, there was a note in my um, box. And so long story short, Jake and I wrote until the site ended and it went another month and we ended up switching into Gmail and we wrote until the end of um, May, 2014, and then talked for the first time on the phone. Mm. Um, which my joke with God was like every day I would bring it to him and go, what are you thinking? God, this is crazy. <laughs> this man lives in Kansas. And he has six children. He's been married before. And I've said no to all those things. And it was funny because every day he would say, do you trust me? Do you Mm. trust me? Will you hold on to me? Will you hold on to the promise? Will you hold Mm. on to my faithfulness to you? Will you lean into me? And every day I'd be like, ah, like (laughs) and it would come back to the same thing again. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? And then it was funny because like he would remind me of things um, like, 
I had written down that I wanted children who are black, and Jake had um, three adopted children from Haiti. We have Joy, who's Chinese. And then, then the Lord reminded me that I had prophesied over myself when I was 27 that I was going to have seven children. And my brother said to me, because I only told him, um, who are you going to have seven children with? I all have them with some amazing guy. <laughs> and Jake had six kids. Yeah. So it was just all these funny little things. And not that we like follow all these funny signs and that's the no, yes of God. No, but confirmation. Right, right. Yeah. But I just felt like he was leading me. Yeah. And, he, and my joke with him, with him was, can this man be the same in writing as he is on the phone? Mm. Because we did snail mail and Jake was, he shared his whole story about how his marriage had fallen apart, about his children. Mm. And he worked, he was very careful to protect them too, mm. which was so honorable. But yeah, he was really trusting of me to share so much mm. information. Mm. Um which I found is kind of common for people in the Midwest to be really like warm and honest. And that was so, new for that's me. A, that's a redeemable city. quality about yes. Kansas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we decided after talking on the phone that we really liked each other yeah. and we decided to meet in person at kingdom culture in June and so my mom and I planned, to, we were going to go to the Grand Canyon. We rerouted our trip on purpose so that I could fly down on the last day of my school day, school year to meet Jake in San Francisco and then take an airplane to Redding, California. And she would drive down with friends who had the gifts of discernment. Yes. <laughs> I love it. To meet him. And then we were staying with... Um, the this really the special family that been, that we'd known for years and anyway so and I was and he and Jake was even like well do you think they have an extra bedroom too because I didn't know this but he was really low on finances and I was like no you need to find a hotel because I was like this is not going to work out I was like finding every back door possible mm-hmm. so I met him in San Francisco and I was like wow he's a lot better looking than the picture mm-hmm. and we went down to the wharf and then we came back and our plane was canceled to go to Reading so we ended up renting a little Fiat and driving up to Reading um and the Holy Spirit totally showed up and it was really really a special time of like prayer and like getting to know more of his heart mm-hmm. and um the weekend was like a blur. The conference, I don't remember a thing about it. All I know is like, <laughs> this man is what here. is going on? And why am I here? And then he left. We took him to the airport, and my mom and I stayed another two days um, before going to the Grand Canyon. And um, I was totally bawling. And I'm like, why am I bawling? Why am I a mess? And my mom's like, um, well, I think you might like him. <laughs> 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 don't you love moms like, hello here you are 33 years old um <laughs> yeah so long story short we got married a whole year later we only saw each other once a month wow on like four day weekends that I was either able to fly where he was working his um his job he travels or um he came out to Seattle to meet my family and yeah by August that year and yeah it was really fast paced and um he proposed by Thanksgiving of November 2014, mm. and then we got married Ju- June of 2015. Wow. And we've just been on the fast track since then. I'll just be super brief. We got pregnant with my da- our daughter four months into being married and had her a week after our first anniversary. Wow. <laughs> so she's three, and we've been married a little over four years, and we have six kids that are now 12 to 17. So... And we have seven. Hello, Evie's three. So that's not right. seven. But yeah, six stepchildren. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That wasn't so short. Sorry. That's okay. That was great. <laughs> I, I love those details. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know about the dimes and 
a lot of that actually yeah it's nice to have this time you know yes yeah oh what just happened okay um so you pretty much everything about your life has changed in the last four years is that correct yes and you've kind of found yourself in this instant family of nine Mm -hmm. and um and so I'm wondering how would you say God has reshaped your sense of your identity Mm. since this huge change Mm -hmm. yeah so this is a really good question and I feel like he's reshaped my sense of my personal identity identity significantly um And I would say that before meeting Jake or getting married, that um, I would have never thought that my sense of identity came from the things that I do because I really felt like I understood quite clearly that I was a beloved of the Father, that He was after my heart, and that He loved being with me. I think that that was, and that my whole purpose was to love him well by loving my students, by loving the women that I was able to mentor, by loving the young adults, the ministry that my girlfriend and I did, um, that not, or, or that I was known. That was something that came up to is like, it didn't, that none of that felt like it was part of my identity. Yet when I moved away from everything that was familiar, not only geographically, but like my nuclear family, my extended family, all my friends, and moved to this foreign place, I found myself feeling lost because no one knew me. Mm. And I, it took me a while. Like, not only did my quiet time get rocked, which really impacted my heart, like, I didn't, I didn't understand how all this could happen to somebody without it being like a correction of some form. And so I went down a road for a while of like, all this is happening to me because I'm really actually a yucky person. And mm. God wanted to show me through some like hard experience that there's still a lot of yuck to work on. Cause I'd gone through a ton of inner healing, um, especially working with teenagers. Cause I taught middle school for nine of those 11 years. And so the Lord like unearthed so much and I got so um, amazingly free through inner healing and sozo. But I realized two years into being married, there was one night where I just could not sleep that I was believing the lie that God is not good. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know how I'd gotten that deep. Mm. And I remembered waking up in the middle of the night or I hadn't gone to sleep. And he was like, you need to, you need to lay this down. But I didn't even know what the lie was at the time. And I called my mom and I was like, who does Sozo? And I just said, I, I am so un peaceful. Like my heart is a wreck and we were able to pray and I was able to realize that. And I feel like it's the course of the last two years, but I've realized he is so for me Mm -hmm. and he so loves me and I am a beloved of the father Mm -hmm. and he does seek after me and he is after me and he works all things for my good and his glory. But some of the things that I've been through in my significant change are so that my kids and my husband can walk into a new promised land that they would have never come through had I not chosen to love well. And so that's something that's like, when I say significant, it's like going down the road of humility to the level that I never thought possible. And it keeps going deeper. (laughs) So um, I just, 
I feel like the older I get, and as soon as people say this, the less I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it's like this whole like surrendering to the Lord has come to a whole nother level where I don't, I do not have what it takes to do what I've been asked to do, but he does. And my goal mm-hmm. is that I want people to look back and say, Jake and Jessica raised those kids only by the power of God. Because I don't even know how they maintain their sanity. I don't know how they maintain an organized home. I don't know how they kept it together when when kids were living in two different environments, et cetera. And there was just a lot of like needing for freedom. Yeah. Um, but I would say my identity is like it's coming back home right now. It's mm. on like all the truths that I knew before, all the the word study and the years of intercession and being part of House of Prayer and um, in my city and like loving on the school system while all the ways that I dealt with students, all of that is start. I'm starting to realize, Lord, you built me for this job, but mm. I, it's not other people telling me that it's, it's me realizing it. And mm. like, oh, you knew what you were doing. Wow. Heart for the nations. They're in your home. Like, yeah, but not just saying, it. I'm feeling it at a heart level, but yeah. it's still going deeper. So I'm not there, Yeah, but, um, I'm glad to be in a, I'm out of the water like I'm starting to be able to breathe and to be able to look up at the sun and say God you are good and your faithfulness endures forever Mm. so wow yeah yeah wow it sounds like you've kind of been in a in a wildernessy kind of season for the beginning part of your marriage and motherhood and everything and which is pretty normal but I think yours is like maybe extreme really extreme yeah Yeah, just because of all the changes yeah yeah so tell so just for the listeners tell a little bit about like your setup right now because Mm -hmm. you are a bonus mom you call yourself a bonus mom I do like to call myself that (laughs) moms are evil I'm not evil (laughs) and um you have of course the um you have six kids Mm -hmm. from the previous marriage Mm -hmm. and you have relationship with his wife to some, his ex-wife to some degree. Yeah. It's very minimal. Do you want me to touch on that or no? I'd be, I'd be really brief. Just maybe just share the kind of like how the setup is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have our six kids um, every other week. We Mm -hmm. trade up on Sunday nights. They're either coming to us or going back to mom's. And mom has expressed that she doesn't want to have direct relationship with me in terms of like making any sort of decisions or contact. Okay. Um, so that keeps it really brief. So Jake takes care of all those pieces. And um, there was a time that I'd say the first half of our marriage, I was trying really hard to be like a good teammate in making like, like co making relationships together as a team. And then it became um, too much information for me to deal with, um, the stuff that, that, um, Jake's ex-wife is dealing with like emotionally. And I, I don't want to go into all that cause I sure. want to like protect on her and honor her. Sure. Um, but I wish it was better and we pray that it will get better in the future. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like she's a figment in my imagination in a sense, just because I don't call her, we don't text, like it's wow. very rare if any of those things happen. Wow. And, and we don't like our kids drive now. So they drive each other, they drive from our house to her house. So I don't see her either unless yeah. it's at a concert or something. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, um, 
And you guys both live in the same city. Mm-hmm. We do. And um, and you are full time mom. Yep. Right now. Yep. Um, having gone from like a big yeah. career yeah. to full time mom, mm-hmm. and so you have this kind of week on week off schedule with the six kids, and then you have Evie, your three year old, all the time. Yeah. All yeah. The time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she just started. Preschool. Yes. So. Two, yeah. two mornings a week. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <Some> freedom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm sure that you have some stories to tell mm-hmm. about funny things, hard things. Mm-hmm. So tell us a funny story. Okay. Um, of something that has thought, happened with this. I've thought of a ton, but um I think the one of the funniest ones to me is that uh uh, so I listened to some of the Danny Silk stuff to help me with my classroom, my teenagers um, mm-hmm. in the middle school. And Jake read the whole book because he's like a quick reader, devours things, mm-hmm. and tried to start impl- imp- implementing it as a mm-hmm. single dad. And um, when when I came on board, I feel like it was easier to start to do things as a team because that's a lot of children, six kids. Yeah. So one of the stories, so we lived in a house, our first house that we lived in was 5,000 square feet. It was three stories. And huge. Um, for some reason, there was um, a kid or more on every floor of our home. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there was, yeah, so there was three upstairs, one in the middle floor and one in the basement. Mm-hmm. And our house is in the center of the house. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our room. room. Sorry, yeah. our room. And the kids took an extremely long amount of time to go to bed. Okay. So we decided to employ one of Danny Silk's tactics, which was the like tired or, or no tired, or would you like to do a chore? Right. So the three upstairs at the time were only like eight years old, maybe uh-huh. seven. So they're super giggly, and we hear a lot of like, like running back and forth between the girls' room and the boys' room, and doors slamming, and lots of laughing, and all this. And we're both sick of it. Will they just go to sleep? Yeah. So Jake goes upstairs and he goes, are you tired or do you need a job to do? And they're like, we need a job. (laughs) So he's like, okay. So he brings them all downstairs. They put their coats on and he decides that he's going to have to move the wood pile from outside of our fence, which we lived in the country. So it was a little bit dark outside. Yeah. It was probably like November. So it wasn't too cold Mm -hmm. for how cold it can be. So they were hauling the wood out of the fence, then coming through, go around the pool, they come up on the porch and put them on this thing, uh-huh. up on the wood pile. And they thought it was really fun at uh-huh. first. Uh-huh. So we decided to start making some popcorn and get some um, pop. And by this time, two out of the four kids was having a little rioting session. They were pretending to hold picket signs <laughs> and they were going back and forth <laughs> on our back patio going, this isn't fair, this isn't fair. <laughs> And while the other two kept doing the wood, so Jake went out and told the girls who were doing the wood, and when you get, you know, this many pieces or whatever, you can come inside. So they keep, so the girls came inside, said goodnight, and they went right to bed. We did not hear another thing. Mm-hmm. The boys are still outside. They're at the window. Hold up. Right up at the glass. Please. Can we come in and eat You can't watch a movie without us. And Jake's like, sorry, you got to get the job done. So finally they decided, it's like pitch black by then. <laughs> decide to go finish the wood pile and they get it done and they come in and one of them who's still yeah just 
he likes to kind of get in his way. Mm-hmm. It was like, this just wasn't fair. And they went upstairs and finally went to sleep. Well, I will tell you that we don't have to say more than, are you tired? And they go to sleep like that, or they're quiet at least, even now, even though they're older. Wow. That's awesome. That, that, I will say that that did not work for us with Judah. He was like energized by the cleaning. And so we tried, we gave him like three or four jobs. And at one point he was, this, this is going to sound so, he was, he was three years old. He was on the floor with a, with a bowl and like a wash cloth yeah and he was scrubbing the kitchen floor and he was like oh yeah after this i'm gonna get high fives i'm doing a good job (laughs) we were like this is not working this is not working this is not this must not work universally for every kid i don't know he's he was getting all worked up I know we were going to try it with Evie, and she was all excited about washing the toilet. So I know it's just not, if you got a cleaner kid, it's not the, it's not going to work for them. It's not a, mo- it's a motivator. It's not a, like, de-escalator. <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he needs to, like, calm down. <laughs> so, I have a one other brief funny one. It's okay. not, like, super detailed, but I think listeners might think this is hilarious. So when I had Evie, remember, I've never had children. I've never gone through the birthing process. I've never gone through nursing, none of it before. So I have all the stuff, but all of my kids were home when we came home from the hospital and my mom and dad. And um, there was some complications with their coming out. So she had like trouble nursing. And so there was like a little bit of stress with that. Well, (laughs) I'm trying to like figure this thing out. And my kids, especially the boys, they were eight or nine at the time. They were completely fascinated with where this milk was coming from. And I'm like, don't you know it comes from women's boobs like they're going to nurse? So every time I would nurse under the cover, they're like, no. so how does this work? Stop, exactly? stop, stop. <laughs> and you're and just I, getting used to, so to them mad. too. Exactly. Yeah, because we'd only been together like full time for a year. Oh, gosh. And I was just like, Jessica, Jesus, help me. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, help me I don't right even now. know what to say. And then I remembered that I had to pump. So I totally have to go upstairs. And they're like, what are you doing up there? There's this weird noise. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you don't want to know. And I used to make up all these really funny stories that were like. Like what? Like what? I can't remember all the way because I was so tired. <laughs> um, where does that? Yeah. Where do you get those bottles from? And I would be like. Well, I have this machine upstairs, and then I would totally change the subject because I just couldn't go there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Sometimes I would even be afraid that they would come up because they would open up the door to see how I was doing or Evie, even though they weren't necessarily supposed to be upstairs. They were just excited to be around this new baby, yeah. this new little sister. And yeah. we prayed for her to be kind of like a gel in our family, which she definitely was. But Aww. they would like, I'd be afraid they were going to burst in on me. So I'd always have my cover on even by myself because I was so nervous about them just bursting in. Oh, gosh. But, oh, man, the questions. And then like, how does it exactly come out of your body? I'm like, oh Lord, can we just give him a science book or right. Jake, can you help Jake, me? Why are you a little back up here? This? I was not prepared for this part. Right. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So it was definitely, yeah, when I say humility, <laughs> that was part of it. <laughs> I feel like oh, just man. one element <clears throat> of that getting used to nursing is hard enough mm-hmm. and having an infant and not sleeping. But then like these little people who yeah. you're now, you know, 
you're now wanting to have like a motherly kind of role in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just building trust with them. Uh-huh. Like that's. Yeah. And being comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. With, like stretching and shrinking. Oh. <laughs> oh gosh. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So tell me, um, tell me a couple of like the hardest things that you've had to go through in this transition. And I think mm-hmm. that this would help, you know, other women who are in a similar place as you just bonus mom in it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I would say, okay, I had to write these out ahead of time cause I wanted to make sure that I really captured, um, the hardest things. Cause there's things that have been challenging, but I would say like one of the biggest ones is learning that I am the mom capital M in my home. Mm. Um, that it doesn't matter what other people say that, or what my kids, this mom has said that it doesn't have authority on my identity or my call to be a mom in my home. Um, Papa God is the one who tells me who I am and I'm a mom in my home. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, it was, there's been a number of things that have been like, I would call them a sabotage to my identity as a mom in my home. I'm sure. And, um, one of them was, um, I got this priceless letter from Isaac, our oldest, who's now 17, but he was 11 at the time. And he sent me a thank you card, which Jake had all the kids do after our first Christmas when we were dating, I took presents and he sent me this card and it was super simple. It just said, dear Jess, thank you for the gift. But most important, I'm so excited to call you mom. Mm. And I melted and like, it was on my kitchen table and I just cried mm. and thanked the Lord for this opportunity to like have a family that he puts the lonely in families mm-hmm. and that my promise was coming to pass and I was getting a full on family. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't birth all of them, but they were going to be mine. Mm-hmm. Um, right after we got married, our kids stayed with my mom and dad for part of the time. And then my mom flew home, flew them to Kansas, like all the way, took them. And then my mother-in-law had them for a while. Cause we got to have three weeks, which was totally so incredible. So amazing. Yeah. And we needed it. And I look back and I'm like, God, that was your grace. Yeah. You knew. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, and then they went to their moms and then they came back to us. Mm-hmm. But in the process of them reconnecting with their mom, Um, she really indoctrinated with them with the fact that I was not ever going to be the mom. Mm. And, um, because I was in a place of like total vulnerability and coming, moving, remember I I moved geographically, I moved my family, I moved like all my stuff, like everything was new. I felt like the enemy really had an open door and I wasn't prepared for that. Mm. Those, the comments that came from our kids on Mm. every time they came back from their moms and they would peer pressure each other that I was not the mom because they were almost ready to call me mom. Like they were to that point. And after that, like a light switch turned off and they were closed Mm. and it was really, really hard. And I, I like, I remember having like, full on crying sessions. Cause I was like, God, how could this happen? Like what happened to rip me off? Yeah. And, um, anyway, but it's been a lot of time since then. And I've been able to walk forgiveness over and over, mm-hmm. um, in toward the children, toward their mom. 
And I just feel like the Lord is like, in all situations though, you are who I say you are, no matter how you feel, no matter what people say, it just is going to a huge depth because when the battle is in our home, that's sometimes where it hits us the hardest because the people we love sometimes hurt us the most. Sure. And it's like, we still need to be filtering things through the eyes of truth himself. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 you are the mom. So that was one. And wow. um, the Lord really had to walk me through a lot of like choosing to not live with a victim mentality. In fact, mm. there was a time where I was like renouncing that every hour of the day because I kept going into this like, why am I here? Why do I have to clean up after these messy kids? Why do I have to train them how to do chores? Why do I have to train them how to like go to bed on time? And sure. you know that Jake wasn't a good co-leader. He was, yeah. but like a lot of it was unfamiliar because that was not a pattern of his like former life. And yeah. he grew up in a broken home too on yeah. top of it. So it's like learning how to make a home together, yeah. a whole new home. Right. And a new identity. Like literally we took everything off the walls and like mm. I redid things, which was really hard for our kids because that mm. was a home that they lived in before mm. I came. Mm. Um, and they'd actually lived for a short amount of time with their mom in that home as well. And so there was a lot of like tension for them. And mm. there was for me too. Um, mm. Yeah. So learning that I'm the mom in my home. And another one is that um, what I do matters even when I feel like no one really knows me. Like I don't, I have a, I'm lacking a history. Like I talked about earlier about like just not being known. We lived in a small town and I felt like people were, it was hard to make friends and, um, it was hard to feel included. It was hard to feel like my, when people would hear my story, they would almost like turn around and leave. Like they were like totally freaked out by my extreme choice to, um, to leave everything and come and love Jake and love the kids. And, um, it just didn't make any sense to them and they couldn't relate to me at all on any level. But just that when none of my kids acknowledge, acknowledge my attention, my effort or preparation, or even when they show disapproval or ungratefulness, um, I, what I do really does matter. And it's, it's reshaping history for our family that, that I'm, that I get to choose that um, God is my audience of one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure all moms can relate to that, but I think it's just different sometimes when we've got like poverty mentality, orphan spirit, like all these different things coming from, I've got a group of kids that some of them are adopted. They've all been through divorce. I remember even there was a, the first year that we were really home for one of for our oldest birthday. Um, he was just significantly disappointed. Like I didn't get it right at all his birthday party. Like mm. it, everything was wrong and he wasn't happy. And I had just had a baby and I was exhausted and I re really tried my best. I got the card. I did the cake. I did the ice cream. I bought him a present. Aww. I decorated the house, but none of it was good enough. And I like felt crushed. Yeah. And I felt like the Lord came and he's like, no, you did what you were supposed to do. The wow. other part is that he's got a broken heart mm. and it, you can't fix that. He's like, got to choose to engage with me. And so that's been something that I've been trying to keep in front of me is that I need to just do what the Lord asked me to do. And the rest of it is up to him and them to choose to accept his love yeah. and his healing yeah. because I don't need to own that. Yeah. I don't, and I don't need to own all the years of brokenness. Right. I don't need to own everything that's happened to them. That's ungodly responsibility. So, mm. yeah. So those are the two biggest ones for me. Yeah.
yeah, it's learning to be that, that I am the mom in my home and that even and everything that I do, it matters even when nobody acknowledges it or says mm. things. Yeah. Those are important. Mm-hmm. I think just thinking about you more, hearing your story, it's like, you know, that uh, realizing like you had to learn the lay of the land with every single one of these kids mm-hmm. and they all have different stories and some of them probably don't even know a lot of the lay of the land before they came to America or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you kind of had to learn it. Like it's, you know, when you start with a baby, you kind of know, okay, this is the history of this child and mm-hmm. this is what this child struggles with or whatever. But you had, you had to learn all of that. Right. Right. And then learn like, oh, okay, like they have a broken heart, yeah. you know, like I, that would have been good to know, but, yeah. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, a unique challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still feel like to a certain degree, I'm still learning the lay of the land, yeah. even though I'm four years in, like every now and then one of our kids will say something about their former life, especially our oldest one, cause she was eight when she came to America and she's got random memories of the, um, the earthquake in Haiti and she'll say random stuff wow. about her past. Wow. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and you think about how that impacts their heart, you know, her heart and anyway. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us, um, just, well, you just did. Never mind. I want, I'm not going to ask that question. Okay. Um, so in Home Inspired, we use the analogy of home as a micronation. So how has your experience informed your convictions mm. about building culture at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like, okay, so how has my experience informed my conviction about building, building a future home? Or just at home building, in building a culture. Building a culture of home. Yeah. Um, gosh, I feel like I'm... So it's interesting because I feel, I feel like there's a tension with my, my own experience growing up with building home and then my one now. Because I never pictured myself like being in a blended family situation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when we marry someone, we have what they think is normal and what we think is normal. Sure. And then we got to bring it together and make home. But um, I still believe that it's really important that our kids, even though our particular kids grow, are growing up in two completely different environments, so mom's not walking with Jesus anymore, um, there's a lot less parameters and boundaries just in general, like entertainment, bedtime, routine, Mm. chores, everything is like, to me, I would call it freewheeling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is my own term. Like there's not a lot of structure and they're home by themselves a lot. So when they come to our house, when I think about creating culture, we think about safety, Mm -hmm. love, like a love net, like there's room to make mistakes. 
So the biggest thing for me for making culture, and I even started doing as soon as we got married, was like, like I mentioned earlier, there wasn't a, there wasn't like a consistent bedtime, or it wasn't enforced. There wasn't people who like had to do chores. It was just whoever chose to do the chores so they could do the next fun thing. Mm -hmm. And so I basically, my background with teaching really helped me out. So I started doing like menus right away. To help with organization, I created a chore list, like daily chores, mm -hmm. and then Saturday chores to keep our giant house clean. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we live in a smaller house now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but just like, and then and then Jake and I were responsible for the yard, but we just needed like those parameters to feel safe. And it was really neat because just like I saw in my classroom, it was the same in my house. When the kids knew what the boundaries were, they felt safe. They felt loved. Sure. And something that I'm continually learning is that I'm a person who needs to say thank you more often and to celebrate more often. So mm. like this Sunday, we um, sat the kids down to have dinner before they came back from their mom's house in the transition time. And just I apologize to them for not saying thanks enough that the things that they do for our home, they impact everyone. They mm. bless everyone. So whether it's sweeping the floor, scrubbing the toilet, like taking out the trash, vacuuming their room, dusting the living room, it impacts everyone. It makes our house not only feel clean, but it feels organized and safe. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We, we know when it was last cleaned. We know that our clothes are clean. We have clean clothes to put on. Yeah. So we have our needs met, but then it feels orderly and they know what to expect. Yeah. They know every Saturday they're supposed to do chores. They know what the expectation is and they know they need to like make plans if they're not going to be home. Yeah. And so there's something to expect. It's not like things thrown at them randomly, which they have had. And right. I think they still do um, where it's, there's a lot of unexpected that happens and it creates a fear sure. response in them. Anxiety. And so, mm -hmm. and so the culture in our house is to like, to honor love and respect. And then the huge other one that I touched on the very beginning, opening up this question was um, creating a space to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's like huge on Jake and my, my heart is like, making it safe to make mistakes in our house mm. where we can redirect and they have a hard time with correction, but we're learning how to do that in a way that they can receive it, but then also like make it so they know it's, it was safe to make the mistakes. And so when they get out in the real world, they not only can make mistakes and fix them, but maybe they won't make some of the silly mistakes they made at home because they know what happens. Sure. They are not under our care anymore and our protection, but we can protect them and help them through the mistakes. Yeah. So, um, but it's definitely a learning process and I feel like it's mistakes on our ends too. And really forgiveness. I mean, you probably hear this on all kinds of podcasts and parenting books, but just like the power of forgiveness and how it brings healing and mm -hmm. encouraging like us saying sorry to them, but then encouraging them to, to release forgiveness toward other people so that a root of bitterness doesn't build yeah. up and like continually being on them about that. And again, they have the choice to do it or not, but to really, especially take time with the ones that are really still open to like, um, teaching and instilling that. Yeah. It's good. So those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah. In house. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. And, um, so just two really quick questions. We're going to wrap up here soon, but, um, just, I know like for me, part of the, part of my motivation with just writing the book and, and having this podcast is that my relationship with God has like completely changed. Mm -hmm. And my, even my way of relating to God has completely changed since I've become a mom. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, and so I wanted to ask you just, um, you know, how has your, how has your time with God, your relationship with God changed your way of relating to God changed since this huge transition in your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier with the, how is my like view of my own identity changed? I feel like this is tied into it and it mm -hmm. really is about like hearing his voice. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I really was going through a huge desert season, like questioning so many things. Yeah. And I feel like during that season, I was like finding again, how do I seek God with all these kids? I can't just have this. I really struggled to have a consistent quiet time. Yeah. And I feel like in the last, I would say the last year, maybe it's been longer than that since we moved to Wichita. So two years ago. Yeah. Um, that I've had a consistent quiet time almost every day and it is like helped significantly. And yes, like everybody, sometimes it just feels like we're going through routine, but I feel like even when the truth gets in there, I'm like, I'm hearing the Lord more. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I feel like, and you and I have talked about this candidly in the past that it really is about hearing his still small voice. And in ways for me, I've heard his voice much louder in the past, but in this season, he's really fine tuning my ears and my heart to hear the little, um, beckonings to come to him or just even the things to like say, and they're really tiny, but I notice when I don't follow them that I recognize afterward, Oh, there was an open door to say this to one of my kids, or there was mm. an open door to let you love me in this moment. But I chose to go on this other route. And it isn't always negative, but like I notice I'm learning to fine tune my ear. I just feel like he's teaching me to hear in a whole yeah. new way. Neat. And I'm also, since my daughter's a little bit older now, I feel like I'm also embracing the whole fun aspect of praying mm. out loud with her, like in the car, on the go, like when we're in <coughs> ambulance, like that whole piece. Cause she's really, really engaged by all that. Mommy, someone's getting hurt. Let's pray. Yeah. And like getting to do that. But it like makes me slow down and say, Jesus, you are the God of details. Remember, remember mm. like the me my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like for me to slow down and see the world through her eyes. Yeah. So that's good. A couple different points. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And then um, just if someone were in your shoes and listening, what mm -hmm. would you tell them? Mm -hmm. I just, so the thing that I kept hearing when I was thinking about this question is that it's so important to know that your thanks is number one from the Lord. That he is so proud of you that your kids are impacted by your example, your choice to love and serve them with your intentional heart and you're making history. Mm. That some of your kids may have never been loved without strings attached before, but you're showing them what that looks like. Mm. That some of your kids may never learn manners or good hygiene without your example. Mm. And some may never learn how to do their algebra homework or how to fold laundry without your influence. There are other kids that will not learn how to eat healthy or sleep at reasonable number of hours at a regular time every night without your coaching and you're changing the course of your family line. The mm. family line won't be the same because you, you've made history happen. You have the authority to call forth a blessing over their lives in the heavenlies and you have the authority to break them off from curses and generational patterns and sins that are ungodly because they're under your roof and under your care as a mother. Mm. You have the challenge and the privilege to love these ones well with the love of the Father, not your own limited resources. You need to stay hooked into the source, Jesus, you, who he is your life and your light to reflect him to these, the ones that you've chosen to love. So, and I just, mm. when I was thinking about this, it really is like you're choosing to love 
children, whether you want to call them your bonus kids or your stepchildren, there's a huge um, honorable act of love that happens in the choosing, that they weren't just given to you, that you get to choose them. And there's something really powerful about that choice that is like, I feel like is so honorable in the heavenlies. Mm. And that the Lord's like, don't ever underestimate the authority that you walk in to bless, to protect, to love well. Um, yeah. So thank you for what you're doing for the kids that you have. Mm. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And so exciting. Mm -hmm. Just thinking about the, the history makers, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And the ones that will be recognized in heaven that you never see. Yeah. Never hear about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The obscurity, but the, but heaven sees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is an honor to get to share. This is fun. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. We just thank you, God, for all the amazing things that you are doing um, through the abnormal looking families. Mm -hmm. That there's so much possibility and so much potential um, for redemption, for healing, for deliverance, for freedom, for breakthrough, for history being made and remade. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please check out our website at homeinspired.org for more resources. And if you want to connect with me in person, email me at naomi at homeinspired.org. Thanks again.